You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bray Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about literary wheelhouses, specifically our dog houses. Yeah, we made that word up. Stick around. We're going to tell you what it means. <laughs> but first, what are you reading, Bria? You know, I'm actually just finished a book that you already read, so I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to give it a little shout out, which is When We Were, when we were Magic by uh, Sarah Gailey, past guest of the show. Oh, wicked good, right? So good. Loved it. Uh, I think people should definitely check it out. But I'm going to talk about a book no one has talked about because I've read a lot of books lately. And I read um, The Glass Hotel by, what is her name? Emily St. Emily John. Emily St. John Mandel. Yeah, by Emily St. John Mandel. Um, how what? How is it? It is fantastic i love so it. excited to read it so for fans of um her work uh her last book was station 11 which we both really loved this is not a genre book if it's oh really a, no i guess you could somewhat call it a mystery but i'm not sure what the mystery is it's not it's sort of like a like halfway through there is a question a kind of um it's kind of like a creepy literary fiction book i would say more than anything oh i that is my shit and halfway through there's sort of a not a who done it but a what 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 done happened <laughs> what what was happening <laughs> a what, what the fuck it what the fuck was happening and then you sort of find that out and then there's a bunch of information about that so it's like everything is explained um and but essentially i mean it's hard to say it follows a couple of different little storylines but the main through line is a character a woman who works in a very fancy hotel it's a glass hotel um she starts seeing a um a guy, an investor guy, a guy who owns like, like, like funds and he invests people's money. What is that called? A stock investor or, investor. Uh, and she starts seeing him, dating him, moves in with him, kind of becomes his, uh, his, his girlfriend. She does become his girlfriend, girlfriend slash wife. And, um, and then sort of what her life is like with him. And then a lot of things happen and I don't want to give that away, uh, because that's sort of like the, what happened of it all. Um, but it's just sort of her life and it's other people's lives around her. It's his life. It's his secretary's life. It's um, someone else who lived in, who was staying at the hotel's life. So she kind of goes through all these people. So it's really fascinating. Multiple story, multiple storylines that all, some are just like one chapter. It's so beautifully written. Also, there's this like at the center of it, this glass hotel, which feels like very remote and in the middle of nowhere. And it's kind of an interesting book to read right now when we're all kind of alone in our houses. So I really Ooh. enjoyed that. It is it was such a gem. I would say people should go get this book. It's definitely going to be one of my favorite books of the year. Um, what are you reading, Molly? Uh, I am reading also a creepy literary fiction book. This book is listed as horror. I didn't think it was super scary, but I definitely think it has a lot of horror elements. Um, it is The Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davison. And I picked it up because Paul Tremblay blurbed it and he called it a lush nightmare. And I was like, yes, please. Lush. I will take that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it is actually, it, it's a book that is in my wheelhouse and I always forget to add this to my wheelhouse, but you know, I love swamp books and Florida I books. Know, you, you, do, you do love a Florida swamp book, which is interesting because you didn't grow up in a swamp. It's not like you're like. No. And I never want to go to a swamp. I bugs, snakes. Ever. This may be your, your fascination with the creature from the Black Lagoon though, don't you think? <laughs> like he, he's a swampy guy. Know. <laughs> I think I love swamps because it's such a, and this, and this book is a particularly good example of this, because uh, this actually isn't in Florida. It's in Texarkana. Oh my God. That's where my dad worked. 
Oh yeah, it's that's in, like I can't literally um, about an hour from where I grew up. That's really close to me. That's so weird. I have to read this. That's crazy. Yeah, it's like a Bayou book. Oh, um, Texarkana is not a Bayou though. Interesting. I, I don't know, but it's like all of the characters in this book kind of live in their own world because, and that's I think what I like about Swamp Books is like it's always these communities and these characters that are very removed from the outside world, and it's like this own little weird microcosm, like. The main character in this book is this woman named Randa and her father was killed when she was just a, a little girl and she's grown up basically living with this like swamp witch and uh, on this like swamp island and for uh, to, to get by what she does is she ferries weed deliveries to and from this mad preacher uh, who like has this like weed greenhouse on his like on his property and she take like every few times a year takes um, shipments of it down the down the river in her like swamp boat thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and but as the book goes on, you start to find out all these secrets between the relationship, how, how like the secrets between her, the witch that has raised her and the mad preacher and how they're all related. And like this weird supernatural thing is happening. It is super creepy. It is super fast paced. Uh, I, there's some very bad snake scenes and I should have realized that I was very unhappy about it. I should just know that. Swamp books. You like swamps, but you don't like snakes. Snakes are like 90%. I mean, swamps are like 90% snake. Like snakes or saws are mostly made of snakes. When you walk in, the ground is just full of, it's just stepping on snakes. Uh, uh, It was awful. But the book itself is really good. It is very, very mythological. Um, And it is very, the writing is really, really good. But it it Mm. has the great balance between very lyrical writing, but it's very fast paced. Uh, Bria, I think you would really, really like it. It is very weird. Uh, It is very good. So that's The Boatman's Daughter by Andy Davidson. And mine is The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. Uh, So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, A lot of listeners, uh, just a few off the top of my head, uh, Ariel, Amanda, Kelsey, all wrote in or tweeted at us about the shower speaker that we reviewed. Turns out you can control the volume on it. We were wrong. Uh, But you just have to hold down the button that, that, like, skips things. Yes. I don't like... yeah, on the side, there's button. We were like, the only buttons are the on off, and there are these plus and minus buttons, which you would think was sound, but instead they are skipping forward, which is a big problem because you'll skip to like the next chapter of your book or something. But then I guess we should have read the fucking instructions or something <laughs> uh, because everyone was like, uh, no, you just hold those down, that's volume. And they're correct. But I don't like that because one, I, when I'm in the shower, I don't have my fucking glasses on, so I can't see shit. Two, my hands are all soapy and slippery. I just feel like this is. Still a poor design. Oh, well, I think you need it in the shower, though, because sometimes it's like a certain amount of loudness outside of the shower, and then you get into the shower, and you're like, too loud or not loud enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I yeah. like the fact that you, I want them. I just want the, the, to have separate buttons. I see what you're saying. Oh, because you need to know where to go. Well, what's nice I can't, is maybe I don't, I have very, two buttons, and so you only I'm have very two nearsighted, <laughs> and I just feel like my slippery, soapy shower fingers are going to have a hard time holding that button down oh i see yeah they are kind of like gripped because like the whole shower this whole speaker which we really liked um is like it looks like uh, a little hockey puck yeah and it's very um rubbery like it's rubbery so i don't know i mean it is it's the only thing is that it's confusing it's confusing but i understand why they wanted to give it less buttons but thank you for that feedback we really appreciate that i'll have to like retest it out i think and with when I am actually, you know, 
using the shower. So Brittany wrote in and said, I wanted to let you know about a really cool thing my friend is doing to support local bookstores during the pandemic. If you answer three questions for her, she will give you three personalized book recommendations based on your answers. She asks that in return, you purchase those recommendations from a local bookstore, most of which are currently offering delivery or curbside pickup options. It's great to get people engaged and shopping local while still practicing social distancing. You can check her workout at, um, at redheaded snippet on Instagram or the hashtag hashtag virtual book seller. I would love to see more people doing this so I encourage anyone who feels up to the challenge to start making their own recs. Uh, I love this. We are going to put link to all of this in the show notes, but I think everyone should check this out. This is super cool. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about our literary dog houses, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, Glassers. Mother's Day is just around the corner and finding the perfect present for mom is tough under normal circumstances when you can actually go out and shop and stuff and you can actually go and see your mom. But right now, things are pretty tough. We're stuck in our houses. Your mom is probably stuck in her house. So luckily, this week, Reading Glasses is sponsored by StoryWorth. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask, like, what have been some of your life's greatest surprises? And what's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? And after one year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and a photo that you choose into a beautiful keepsake book that your family can treasure forever. It is the perfect Mother's Day present. It is the perfect last minute Mother's Day present. It is the perfect social distancing Mother's Day present. We have been sponsored by StoryWorth before. Bria's mom got story worth a couple last year a couple years ago and she absolutely loved them we adore story worth they're so easy to use if your family member is not an email person story worth will actually call your family member every week and they can record their story so there's a bunch of different ways to use this we are so so excited if you have used story worth before email us send us your send us your stories we'd love to hear what your family members thought about it you can give your mom the most meaningful and easy easy to buy gift this year with StoryWorth and you can get started right away without the need for any shopping. You don't have to leave the house. You don't even have to put on pants. You go to storyworth.com slash glasses and that's $10 off your first purchase. So it's, you don't have to leave the house, really easy to get, easy for your mom to use and you get money off. It's perfect. So that's storyworth.com slash glasses for $10 off. Storyworth.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hey, Glassers. Max Fun right now is running a survey to help figure out which advertisers are a good fit for our audience. Yeah, we're still primarily audience supportive and we will always be primarily audience supported. But advertising can be a really helpful source of income, especially right now when everyone's hurting. The results of this survey will help us talk to some new advertisers and convince them to give us a shot. The survey is really short, shouldn't take more than 10 minutes, and you'll get a discount at the Max Fun store for filling it out. Also, we will love you forever. Yes, especially right now, everyone's looking for stuff to do. So in between making bread and playing Animal Crossing, you can do this survey. You just go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey to fill it out. Ad survey. (laughs) 
this week, we're talking about our literary doghouses. If you're a regular re- Reading Glasses listener, you know that your literary wheelhouse is a list of subjects or tropes that will always get you to pick up a book. Well, a listener named Jessica wrote in with an anti-wheelhouse list and called it a literary doghouse. As soon as Bree and I started talking about it, we knew we needed to do a whole episode on book doghouses. <laughs> we love this idea. So just a little fact. Uh, the term doghouse has been used to mean something besides a doghouse, as in like you're in the doghouse, uh, like a temporary disgrace since 1932. It's a very long wow. time. Um, but now Mallory and I, year 2020, are giving it a whole new meeting. So na- welcome to that. We're fucking entomologers now. What is that word? <laughs> Into- entomologers? Yes, thank you. Entomologers. We're entomologers now. We're creating new Incredible. You're Incredible. welcome. so just like a wheelhouse a doghouse can be really helpful in choosing your next read and if you take some time to think about what the books you don't like have in common you can make a list and avoid all those things in in the future a doghouse is literally is just the opposite of a wheelhouse it's a list of subjects or tropes that will always get you to put down a book or things that you fucking hate Mm -hmm. so bria what is in your doghouse so this is quite hard and i'm curious what listeners are going to say because i feel like it's gonna be hard for all of us um, yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, I'm just going to start with the things that came to my mind first. Anything too complicated, which I know, I know it doesn't make sense because I love world building, but if you get too into the minutia of the world and I don't care about the minutia, then I am going to put it down. I'm going to put the book down. I think you don't like hard world building. I do like, I do though, to a certain extent, but if it's too into it, I'm a little bit like, okay, like get, let's get through this. Like, I'm, I'm not excited about <laughs> that. And that's something that will come up a lot in the kind of books I read. So it makes it yeah. easy for me to like not read those books. Um, also, if the language is like so complicated that I'm never going to get through it, probably not going to read it. Uh, dog deaths is a big one. People know that about me. Although I have been sticking in there through dog deaths sometimes. So it's not a total dog house. It's more of a, it's like a dog house adjacent. <laughs> um, well, the dog, the dog house doesn't mean you're banned forever. I think when you just using the phrase you're in the dog house means you have the chance to come back. Oh, yeah. So you read it. There's a dog death and you're like, you're in the dog house right now. And then I'm like, well, you came back from that. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, oh, one that came up this morning was there are just certain genres that are not necessarily bad, but I'm not into them. I started trying to read a Western this morning and I was like, I just don't see this happening for me. Like, so there are certain genres that are going to be in the doghouse for me, not because they're bad genres. They're just not for me. You know, they're not my wheelhouse. They're my anti wheelhouse. Um, Two other small things, too much like hate. I don't know another way to explain this, but I like an escapist book, but I don't love it when everyone is constantly mean to each other. (laughs) And maybe that's just what I'm at at this moment. Uh, This is also very relevant in movies to me. Like if there's everyone is so mean, I'm always like, well, I don't know why I'm watching this. I don't know if that's one. Uh, And then the last thing is um, books with all male characters. I kind of need a woman in there. I've realized like I, I, I can, I can get down with that. Like I, I mean, maybe if it's a solo man on a space journey, then like, okay, fine. But like, if there's all men, I find that I tune out. It's not a bad thing. There are stories that are all men. That totally makes sense. Uh, it's just for me, not necessarily for me, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm probably not going to pick it up. I'm probably just not even going to pick it up. That's the thing. I won't even think yeah. to read it. Like, cause I yeah. just, I've read the back and I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything here I can relate to. Um, those were hard to come up with, though. What about you? What 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 did you come yeah, up with? 
I think it's hard for us because we don't remember the books. We, we don't remember the books we stop reading as well as the books that we love. You know, it, it actually took me a little while to come up with this list because the books that I remember the most are the ones that I fucking adored. You know, if I don't like a book, if I don't either don't pick it up or put it down, I'm just not going to remember as much from it because you just don't fucking care about it. Uh, but the things for me that really stood out is uh, love triangles. Mm, hate yeah. a love triangle. You hate I think that. they're very... I think they're stressful. I think they're stupid. I, any kind of like romantic stress that is internal is very difficult for me. Um, like I, You'd I prefer get, there to uh, be like a bear between the person and someone else, like an external yes. stress. <laughs> I have a really hard time with emotional stress. <laughs> At least when it's like, it, love, there's something about a love trial that's just, I'm just like, make a decision already. Like that was my, the hard thing I had with the Hunger Games. I'm like, I know who you really like. Just give it up. Mm. Very, very stressful for me. I like um, a love triangle. Make it complicated. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, I will, and snakes, obviously, but I keep reading these. I, I feel like my, my, there's a thing in my, in my wheelhouse and thing in my doghouse that are like diametrically opposed is like swamps versus swamp books. <laughs> can I, God, can somebody recommend me a swamp book that doesn't have any snakes in it? I will be the happiest person in the world. I definitely cannot, but there mu- somebody oh. must know one. Somebody must know one. There must be someone somewhere. Uh, I will say, like, the book that I'm reading now, The Boatman's Daughter, has this, like, one scary snake moment, and I haven't finished it yet, but I don't think there's a ton of, like, snake moments in it. I will take, I can take light snakes, but, like, remember that book that you read about snake handling? Oh, yeah, I couldn't yeah, do yeah. something like that. Yeah, sure. So if I pick up a book and it's very overtly snake about snakes, I will put it down. I won't even buy it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I really have a hard time with is references. Uh, if your story or your book relies on s- cultural references, I don't understand so heavily that it's confusing to me. I don't want to read it. I remember I started reading this short story that was like so heavily dependent on Doctor Who references oh, that yeah. I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. Like I literally, I was like, I know that there's, this is probably like a funny or interesting story, but I just don't get it. That was actually one of the reasons why I didn't read Ready Player One because I was like, well, what if I don't get these references? Yeah, that is that is that if there's like a like a you already have to have a certain amount of knowledge before you get into a book. That also kind of freaks me out. Yeah, don't like that. Uh, I don't like changing POVs, and that is different from I like multiple POVs. But if your book has is one of those books that like the first five chapters are one character and then they switch to another character and they never come back to the original character, don't like that. Mm-hmm. I hate spending like. 70 pages getting invested in a character and then I never see them again. Don't like that. And is this just first person or you don't want to follow? Yeah. yeah, just first person to another first person or if I yeah. follow a character and then I switch to another character. Um, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's first person or third person, but if it's like from the perspective of one character for a while and then it switches to another character and it never goes back. Oh, interesting. Like we never okay. Okay. get, a, we never get another chapter from that first character ever again. That, mm-hmm. Don't like it. Um, and the last thing, and this is this one's really, really difficult because uh, it, it's hard to, to, to know when I'm picking it up, but I don't like when something is supernatural, but then it gets a scientific explanation. Like, I don't want that Scooby-Doo shit. I want real ghosts. Ah, I want real yes. monsters. I don't want, oh, it was the plumbing. Like, no, do not want that. Don't you know give me a spooky toilet. Give me a spooky ghost. The people in my book club also have a problem with this because we read a lot of uh, books that are uh, horror, but if they're c- kind of horror, horror but big, like uh, 
popular or like literary fiction horror, sometimes they want to give it an explanation and we're always like, don't do it. Tell us that it's a ghost. Like you don't want that explanation, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, people, people don't like that in my book club. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Uh, so Bria, do you actually make choices using your literary doghouse? I have to sort of get into the books before I can tell about most things like the world building and stuff like that. But I can tell usually in the first chapter and then I'm like, eh, not interested. For lack of the women thing, I, I was telling you, I can just, I, I just don't yeah, even pick up You can up tell books. right away. Like it's funny because I was looking at books that I've stopped reading in the last couple of years trying to figure out like, oh, this is my doghouse. And um, I was like, well, what? Is, and I couldn't figure it out. But then I was like, oh, I don't even pick up books that don't, don't have any women in them. It's just so rare yeah. for me to even pick that book up. Um, there's exceptions for sure. But I mean, yeah, I it, that's just like certain books. They already have to have a woman on a journey for me to even think about picking it up, <laughs> uh, which is really <laughs> funny. Uh, what about you? Yeah. Is, it, is it does it influence the uh, do you make book choices based on this? Do you think about this? Oh, for sure. I, I do it as much as I can. Uh, if I read the back of the book and there's a love triangle, love triangle mention, uh, hard pass. I won't hard even pass. pick mm-hmm. it up. Um, and same thing with like the snake thing. Um, same thing. But there's like a couple of things in my wheelhouse that you can kind of tell right away. Um, some of the other ones are tough to tell, though. Like, the you know, the supernatural actually is like a, you know, a spooky toilet. Uh, it's, you don't know it till the end of the book. But um, the other ones like snakes, cult- cultural references, uh, I just won't pick them up. But you uh, want think, it to be a spooky toilet. You don't want it to be like a toilet that's running. That's what you want, right? You well, want you a, spooky- a haunted. <laughs> you mean a haunted toilet? You want a haunted toilet, yeah, and not a toilet that has like plumbing issues. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I want a toilet that has a ghost in it. I don't want a toilet that is ma- that is making people think it's spooky because it's running or dripping in some way. Right, 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 right. I right. want a demon in that toilet. Now, what if? <laughs> A demon is causing the drip. A Ooh, demon has what a terrible the toilet. Demon. How funny would that be if it, it like a de- there was a ghost in your house, but it was just causing everyday annoyances, so it was yeah. really tough to tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be horrible. Uh, but I do think I think knowing the kinds of I think it's something that we've been talking about for the past year is knowing the kinds of subjects or tropes that you don't like helps you avoid books you you that aren't you aren't going to enjoy. Same as really understanding what makes you love a book is going to help connect you with books that you like and are really going to love. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to know yourself as a reader. So I think it's definitely worth, especially if you're in like a book slump or you're having a hard time finding a book that you really like, or you've had like a string of books that you don't like. It's having, sitting down and thinking, okay, well, what do all these books have in common? What can, what are things that I don't, don't like about these things? I wonder if you have like the opposite of a reading pathway is like a reading roadblock like, <laughs> when like there's certain types of characters you so, you don't like the certain types of language you don't like like I think it's it's good to know that kind of stuff and helps you just it helps you k- pick books that you're gonna love faster yeah agreed and I think also it'll make it so that when you are thinking about picking up like a really popular book that everyone says you should read and you feel guilty for not reading it but then you're like I know that's in my doghouse you know you can automatically yeah. know not to read certain books which is helpful yeah for sure so you can send your thoughts on literary doghouses to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we answer our recommendation request, we're going to take a quick break. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hi, I'm Lori Kilmartin. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show. Who are you, Lori Kilmartin? Oh, my God. So much pressure. Uh, I'm a stand-up. I've been doing stand-up since 1987. Uh, I'm a writer for Conan. I've written a couple books, have a couple CDs out, have a special out. 
Who are you, Jackie? Well, I too am a stand-up comic since 1984, and uh, I do the road like a maniac and uh, don't have a cool writing job, but I have four albums out, working on a new album. We talk about stand-up. We talk about uh, all the different parts of stand-up comedy. So that's the Jackie and Lori Show, and you should subscribe on Maximum Fun if you want to hear that. (laughs) And I would encourage you not to. Time to answer a recommendation request. Quinn wrote in, I recently found a new aspect of my wheelhouse that I'd love to read more of, but is very difficult to search for. I love reading about the origins and lore of religions and religious figures and novels. For example, I loved Earthseed by Octavia Butler, The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, The Power by Naomi Alderman, and The Toll by Neil Shusterman. However, when I try searching for this, I get a lot of nonfiction about the origins of real world religions. There is nothing wrong with that, but it isn't what I'm looking for. Do either of you have any book recommendations or ideas for how I can go about searching these books? Bria, what do you think? I actually think maybe this might be in my wheelhouse too. I need to explore it a little more, but I have read three out of four of those books and do love all of them. I haven't read The Toll, and I was like, maybe if I read The Toll, this is also in my wheelhouse. Um, So my recommendation for Quinn is Who Fears Death by Nettie Okorafor. I think this could Uh. fall into this as well. Um, It doesn't have explicit... It doesn't have the explicit, like, creation of a religion like Earthseed. Because I think Earthseed is, like, the only one of those that actually is, like, here is the religion. Here is the person creating it. Here is whatever. But I do think that the main character who feels death um, is a messiah-like spiritual figure. Um, It's sort of a creation of religion. It's sort of like this main character grappling with what it is like to become a spiritual figure, which is really interesting. Um, I loved this book. It has a lot of trigger warnings in it, so go read all of those before you you take it on. But also, Quinn read The Power, so I, I think it's gonna be. I think Quinn will be fine. But um, yeah, this is a wonderful book. It also has been optioned to make be a TV show. I think by I think George R. R. Martin is involved in some way, right? Yeah, I'm I'm almost certain that's correct. Yeah, I remember it's, that happening. Also, Nettie Corfor is just like a wonderful writer, but Who Fears Death like blew me away. You will not be able to put it down. And it has sort of like a, um, like I feel like these religious figures, particularly in Earthseed, um, have to do like a journey. Like they have to do their like <laughs> journey where they prove that they're going to be like the next Jesus or the next Buddha or whoever the fuck they're going to be. And uh, this has like that in it. And I, it's just like a really great, uh, interesting take on that that sort of, genre which i don't know what the name of that genre is what do you I think, think? It's, it would be um well so my i think my my tip uh, the my response to that is mixed up in my response to quinn so i'm okay. just gonna say yes. first i think when quinn is searching for this uh quinn you got to use the word novel and this is something i learned a while ago because if you just type in books you're going to get fiction or nonfiction. right you got to use the word novel that way it has to be fiction and put it in parentheses and google so it has to be novel uh, also i, I you, you got to use the term invented religions hmm. i think that's the, that's the genre is invented religions because if you just put religions in there, you're going to get real religions. You're going to get books about Jesus and other religions. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's funny. It's almost like invented religions doesn't have like the gravitas that I want this genre to have. Like I want it to be like, like, uh, 
Like, like they could be real religions. That's the thing. Like these books yeah. are like so. Well, I mean, look at Scientology. Well I mean, I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like it, it's like it's almost like uh, like like very serious invented religions with lots of details. Uh, but I don't, I don't know what it is. But that, but yeah, I think that Google would probably work. Yeah, and what is your recommendation? Imaginary. I, well, I think Quinn should read *Cat's Cradle* by Kirk Vonnegut. Oh, nice, 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 nice. Because that there is an invented religion in *Cat's Cradle*, who's created by a calypso singer, uh, and the book is really funny and and fun. Um, it's so interesting. Like, it, I think a lot of especially me, I forget to think about Kurt Vonnegut as a sci-fi writer because his books are feel very literary and they're very silly and fun and kind of light, but they're all fucking sci-fi. Like, and yeah. he's just, so, he's just so great. And it's, I think this is going to be a lot lighter than, you know, um, all the other ones that she had read, but it is the, the, uh, invented religion in this book is like, is in a really interesting part and watching it develop from the, its origins from the singer is really cool. The whole book is just fucking wonderful. It's a great read. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to think of a cool term for this, like origin of imaginary religion. Like there's going to be some cool way to, to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it definitely wasn't, I actually looked at who fears death to see like what it was classified as. And there's nothing like that. It's just like, you know, dystopian sci-fi kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah there's definitely yeah, something in there. There's got to be a word that's like dystopian that has to do to, with the origins. We should talk to a religious scholar. There has to be a word for specifically like the origin of a religion. I wonder yeah. if your friend Henry would know. Oh, Henry Zabrowski. That's very possible. I could ask him. Um, I also think there might be another Kurt Vonnegut book that has to do with a fake religion and I can't remember what it is, but is it? I think you're right. Bluebeard? I can't remember. I've read a lot of Kurt Vonnegut and it's been so many years that I can't whatever but i think you're i think you're right though kurt Vonnegut um, loves a religion he does uh so you could send your recommendation request to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com and before we solve a reader problem we're going to take a quick break now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners michael writes in i've never really had problems with dumping a book i'm actively not enjoying but i am a reader who struggles to commit to one book i regularly read multiple books at a time i used to keep a dozen books in my car and just grab a different one each day depending on what sounded good one of the side effects of this lifestyle is that i regularly take extended breaks between visits with books i've been known to read half of a book enjoy what i've read so far set it aside read 17 other books then finish the initial book seven months later without touching it in the interim this means i sometimes finish a book in a single afternoon other times i finish a book over a year and a half how do y'all feel about taking vacations from a book what suggestions do you have for a reader who can't commit bria what do you think michael should do michael i think you're doing fine i know a lot of readers who do this actually i i personally do this with nonfiction. sometimes like i'll take a little break if if it feels like i can i can get back into it but personally i because i'm a library user it is it is forbidden to do this because uh i th- i would have to like go get the book again I have to return yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like that just, there's a lot of problems with that. But um, what's interesting about this to me is that Michael is still interested and excited about these books after like seven months later. Um, yeah, that's what, that is very, very interesting to me. Yeah. So it's not that you're not in committing. I don't think that is a problem. I think Michael is just in a non-monogamous relationship with these books. I, I think, think Michael, Michael is a, is a book is as a book polygamist maybe possibly because i think they're still instead in of big circle. love it's the big read <laughs> <laughs> they're still in a circle uh you still care deeply about them even if you aren't in a committed relationship with them and you're going to return to them at some point you aren't like not interested in, in them anymore you're not 
You're not like, oh, I'm done with this book, but now I feel guilty and have to come back to it. Michael still seems genuinely excited to read these books. So I don't think this is a problem. I think Michael just needs to consider himself a non-monogamist when it comes to reading. I think he doesn't believe this. he doesn't do monogamy. And that's okay. I mean, I don't often meet read read. I don't often read people. I don't often meet people who I feel like do this because I feel like once people put a book down, they just look at it guiltily for seven months and then finally finish it out of like sheer anger, which we would discourage. But I think if yes. Michael is still interested in seven months, Michael just like is open to all the ideas that these books could bring him. And he should he should continue to live like this. I think it's totally fine. Although the one part of this is this confusing is that he keeps the books in his car and then he grabs a different one. Like, where are you going back and forth that you have 17 books in your car? Maybe Michael is a traveling salesman and Maybe. he's in his car all the time. Maybe. I can't figure that out. But uh, what, what do you think? Uh, do you think this is an issue? Do you How do you feel about taking vacations from a book? Well, I am 100% in agreement with you. I don't think that Michael actually has a reader problem. I think Michael feels like he has a reader problem because a lot of people who do this consider it a problem. But I don't yeah. think that... But Michael I don't think doesn't. That, no, I think it's fine for him. And Michael, if this style of reading works for you, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, if you're enjoying yourself, then who who fucking cares? Even if you aren't finishing the books, it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, again, I'm a, one of those people, if I put a book down, I know I'm not going to pick it back up. And I, if I, if I end up somehow doing it, I'm going to just start back from the beginning. Um, but in, if Michael really wants to change his ways, I think my, he needs to eliminate his other options. I don't think keeping a stack of books is a good idea if he has a tr- hard time reading one at a time. Just only keep one book in your car, only keep <laughs> one book with, with you at a time. And if you do that, and you'll, that'll be your only option. And if you start doing that and still want to put it down and want to read something else, swap it out and read another book until it's finished. But I have a feeling that if Michael cuts down his reading options he's gonna miss those other books and he's gonna miss that big pile and gonna wish he he had them i'm just worried about the 17 books in the car his car is mostly book at this point i mean that is a lot of (laughs) books to have in your car it is a lot of books to have in your car it's like a big i I hope he like keeps like a big cooler or something (laughs) or he has an organ like he just has shelves in the back instead of a back seat that's exciting. Oh, what a fucking dream. What Incredible. Dream. But I, this is a very interesting. I mean, we don't often meet people like this, but Michael has found like, I feel like you found a solution to your own problem. You already excited yeah. about it. You're excited about L- what you're doing. You're cool with it. Go, live your life. Live your book I was going to say, Michael, live your life. I think uh, for other readers who have uh, take, I think it's fine to take vacations from book if from a book if you can do that, if you are literally going to pick it back up and wherever you know pick back up where you left off and not have an issue fucking go for it like if that's if that works for you i think again a lot of us feel like we have reader problems because of the way that people talk about those things you know like there's this idea that oh i have this massive P- tbr well we all fucking have a massive tbr it's great mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. we we talk about it as if it's an issue, as if the people, the people that in my life that I know who read the most have the biggest TBRs because they want to read more. Like I, there's so much weird obligation and guilt and like how things are, sh- how things should be done in the world of reading that I think we need to let go of. So if something works for you, whether it's reading 17 books at once or taking a seven month break in the middle of reading a book, if you're happy with that, that's fine. Live your fucking life. Yeah, we absolve you of whatever sin you think you're committing. Yeah. We need to dress up as book priests one day. Wow, are we inviting our own religion? Maybe we're <gasps> making a category. <laughs> Bria, yes. Can we make the, oh my God, can somebody make those prayer candles, but it's me and you? 
<laughs> That's very funny. We could probably oh my make God. those. Max Fun might, might sh- be excited about that. We should talk to Maximum Fun and do that. And you'll be holding an e-reader and I can be holding a print book. It's very good. Very good. I want to do this. Let us know if you would buy those candles because I would. I want them really badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem or absolve you of all your reader guilt, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Uh, also on that note, uh, everyone who is involved in the moderation of our Facebook group, if, you, if this, th- we haven't updated this in a while. We haven't, I haven't heard from Danielle or Kathy in a little bit. If you are a moderator who wants to be shouted out, please let me know. Read, uh, e- email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You guys you folks do great work and we want to thank you for that um remember if you want to support us you can buy tote bags and shirts and bookmarks and stickers in the maximum fun store with the reading glasses logo with cool phrases that we've come up with on the show uh, i think the bookmarks have pictures of me and Bria on them if you want to get hardcore about it they're really cool they they support us the money goes to us uh and maximum fun so it's a great way to help us feed our animals so there's a link in the show notes and if you want to uh, help the show for free you can rate and review us on itunes it's great for us it's great for our self-esteem it's great for our uh audience reach because whenever people look us up on itunes and they're like oh damn the reading glasses is almost a thousand reviews they're like i should check this show out Mm -hmm. you are directly helping us if you do that it takes less than a minute on itunes it is so helpful for us you can always email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookshop ventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks for reading thanks for reading MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported